Hi, I'm Jeff, lead pastor of Northview Community Church in Abbotsford, British Columbia. And this podcast is where I get a chance to interview people about things that I'm interested in and talk about whatever I want to talk about. Hello again. I am Levi, the producer. Welcome back to another conversation before a conversation with Jeff Bucknam. Jeff, how are you doing? I am doing well. And you? I am also doing well. Do you love Fridays? I do. We're here on a Friday. And, uh, you know, being a pastor has been a little bit weird here because Saturday and Sunday are kind of like the the height of your work mm-hmm. during the week. And uh, so that's made Friday a little bit different. But at the same time, I don't know, so many years of Fridays have seeped into my system that I cannot get over the idea that Friday is the best day. Is a Monday normally your your primary yeah. day off? Monday's my day off. Yeah. Okay. I usually take that, uh, which is odd too, because everybody's going back to work and all that. And they're very sad. And I'm like, this is great. Rest day. Tuesday is my Monday. And we have all our meetings on Tuesday morning. <laughs> and everybody always wonders, why is he such in a bad mood on Tuesday morning? Because you're on a bad mood on a Monday morning. But I don't get to have that on Tuesday. Just because I have to meet with, is also because I have to meet with people. Because you know what? Meetings are the worst. Too much Ezra on a Monday. Yeah. Like staff meetings are, are, are hard to maintain my attention in. As a staff member, I understand why you say that. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so there's this video going around. It's one thing around. I won't oh, miss, by the way. That's so anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, there's this video going around for this new kind of website in its testing phase called Dominion Dating. And it's basically pitched Dominion. as a dating website uh, for people who are tired of... Uh, really strong feminism and really weak men oh. on other dating sites. Strong men. Yes. Love it's it. A lot, very, of, lot of chainsaws. <laughs> well, some chainsaws, some very refined looking, academic looking men oh. too. So they've got some variety to choose from. So it's not it's not gone out yet, or you can actually sign up oh, now. you can sign up. They've so got different levels ladies of out signing there, up. If you are looking for <laughs> either a man who is going to kill a bear... Uh, skin it and put that rug in front of a fireplace up in the woods in his cabin, or a man who's going to talk about the ethics of killing a bear, <laughs> putting it up in his cabin, and whether he would ever buy a cabin. This is your this is your site. It should be noted that this is not a site you can actually like use yet, but you can sign up at different levels of membership. Really? What are the levels? Do you uh, know? There's, uh, I would have to look it up, but basically the more money you pledge up front, you can refer memberships the, to other people. The more intellectual men you yes. get? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, like, the lower level yeah, yeah. is just the guy who looks like the Duck Dynasty dudes. <laughs> and then you get into real academic refinement. Yeah, totally. $200 a month can yeah, yeah. get you ability to look at this guy. At this point, they have no real endorsements. No. They have two endorsements up there, which at the end of them say not a real endorsement. No, I'm sure that that's the case. So would you encourage any of your children to sign up for this kind of a hey, dating site? Only if they, only if, uh, well, I have one daughter, mm-hmm. but you're asking, would I encourage my boys to sign up for this site? Prob- probably not. Probably <laughs> not. But at the same time, I probably wouldn't encourage them to sign up for a lot of the sites. Mm. But that's just because they tend to be guys who are a little bit cynical about those. Mm. 
I'm not necessarily cynical. I think it's great if people meet each other online. Just cool. not a Dominion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really ruffled some feathers. I bet. It's got some kind of like low quality videos that look like they were shot in old youth rooms in like the basements of churches. Uh, yes, of course they are. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I just thought that's that was... by the way where you're going to live if you make it there, these guys. I just thought that was funny. Wanted you to think talk of about 13 it. kids and they're all homeschooled. That's... And then you have a youth room in your own basement. That's right. <laughs> uh, completely unrelated. There was a Japanese town that spent $200,000 on a 43 foot tall squid statue. And why not? Well, they were using some you of know... their COVID relief money to boost their, <laughs> their tourism industry again. I love the COVID relief money. <laughs> that is so great. That is great. What do we, this, can you imagine the city council getting together? What do we spend this on? <laughs> a squid statue. <laughs> 43 feet long. Yeah. That's the best idea I've heard all day. Let's do it. So if you had $200,000 to use as you're leaving Northview, what would I buy? What would you build a statue Ooh, of? What would I build a statue of? That's a good question. Uh, uh, I probably would build a statue of myself. No, I would. I would build a statue of Ezra. <laughs> made out of what material? Made out of marble. No, I. I don't know what I'd build. Two hundred thousand dollars. That's a. That's a. That's a. That's a nice statue of squid. It is a very nice looking squid. Do we statue. know why they did squid? Why did a squid? They're a coastal town, oh, yeah. and squid fishing is a big part of their economy. And so this is no yeah. different, basically, than Abbotsford putting a, a raspberry statue <laughs> at the south end of Clearbrook Road, right? Yes, I was uh, actually going to ask you about that. Yeah. What your favorite? It's the same thing, though, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, same idea. Which we also made fun of Abbotsford, so I think it's only fair to no, make it fun is. of yeah. the squid one. But the tax dollars at work that Abbotsford. <laughs> Uh, raspberry thing. But a squid would be more fun. That's true. Uh, a little bit too big to go in the middle of our roundabout, no. though. No, it's true. Okay. That was all I wanted to talk about. Wow. This was great. No, I appreciate that. This is what Fridays are for. Yeah. I have I have spent something. You asked me ahead of time. I have spent some money on something that I have regretted mm, before. Yes. So as good a segue as that is. Yeah, yeah. So when I was in college, uh, I sold my car, which was a very useful thing mm -hmm. to get around. I sold it for a massive stereo. <laughs> and uh, at the time my father was like, are you crazy? And I was like, no, I, I want to listen to loud music. And I wanted the guys on my floor to think I was amazing by having this massive stereo. And so I did. And uh, after about a year, I thought this stereo is not as helpful as the, as the car was. Right. Which also had a stereo in it. Yeah. Small one. But okay. I was like, yeah. So anyway, I've given the, uh, I ended up selling the, that stereo to my brother-in-law. For uh, his car? No, it was, okay. I, I took a, I took a big hit. Let's just say that. <laughs> but the stereo was very expensive. It was like a, seriously, it was almost an even trade. So you can imagine how nice wow. a stereo this was. Yeah. Especially yeah. if it was a serviceable car that you yeah, sold. Yeah. So I, well, very serviceable. Yeah. It was actually a great car, but, uh, hmm. I don't know. Stupid. This has been Financial Advice with Jeff Bucknam. Uh, we're going to go now into the interview he did with Andy Steiger, where they talk about apologetics, looking forward to what the future holds, uh, really interesting stuff that we think you'll really benefit from. Well, here I am with Andrew Cash Money Steiger. 
Andy Steiger, you. The reason I I am speaking uh, so kindly and jovially about him is that Andy and I we, we worked together at Northview for I don't know eight years. Eight years. Eight years, something like that. Eight years, and Andy then just picked up and left in a huff. He took off, and he was very angry. Andy, why did you leave me? Why did you leave me behind? And Jeff, after the announcement you gave this week, I feel like asking you the same question. <laughs> why, why have you Why have you left me, Jeff? Buddy, uh, how are things going? The reason Andy left is because he wanted to spend full time his uh, more of his time on Apologetics Canada. He had completed his PhD, but I want to find out about that. You have completed it yet, well, or? Yeah, there, well, there's so much to talk about. Okay. I'll start with Apologetics Canada because, Jeff, you took a risk on me. I don't know if you remember this. This was a humble moment when I first met Jeff. For whatever reason, I can't remember why, but I, the, the time that I came to Northview to have a lunch with you, I had my mother's minivan. Do you remember that? I, was I like, do remember it. I remember that minivan. <laughs> and, and my mom had like five dogs at that time, so it was full of dog hair. I don't I don't I can't even remember why I had it, but I did. And I remember thinking, I sure hope Jeff has a car and he'll drive to lunch. And of course you're riding your bike at that point. I think you've pretty much given up on that now, but it's not true. I still ride my bike. <laughs> I just don't do it. Uh, uh, to church and back. But yes, I used to commute on my bike and uh, we had to ride in your in your dog infested minivan. And yet you still you still hired me. But but to the point is, even even with the minivan experience, uh, I was running Apologetics Canada at the time and we we tried something that uh, I had never seen done before uh, with me running Apologetics Canada and running the Young Adults Ministry simultaneously. And the long story short, the reason I ended up leaving Northview was because that little experiment was successful. You know, the Young Adults Ministry flourished and Apologetics Canada flourished. And I came to this place where I realized that it was just no, no longer possible to do both. Yeah. So you focused your time on Apologetics Canada in the last little while. Can you give us an update regarding what's going on with Apologetics Canada before I start asking all sorts of questions about culture and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. So when I started, uh, well, with Apologetics Canada um, and... Just kind of asking God, you know, what what do you want from me in this ministry? And and as you mentioned, uh, feeling God calling me to do my Ph.D., which uh, I have finished. I'm in the, the last stages with Aberdeen University, which oddly enough, Jeff, you'll appreciate this. Uh, instead of me asking for an extension, the university asked me for an extension uh, that I needed to sign on there for them uh, because they because of covid, they've just been running behind. Hmm. So I should be completely done, but because they've, they've been backlogged, uh, I'm, I'm uh, waiting for the completion. But with regards to Apologetics Canada, uh, things have been going great. So I, listen, it was, not my, my, it was not my choice to leave Northview in the middle of a pandemic and to go back into Apologetics Canada full time, because a lot of people don't realize I gave my notice a year out so that so that we had time to transition Apologetics Canada out and we had time to to find my uh, replacement. And and then during that time, we have a pandemic. And I remember thinking, Jeff, I think you'll appreciate this. When I started Apologetics Canada, I, I started that ministry in the recession. Hmm. The, 
that had taken place, you know, that had taken place in 2008. And we started Apologetics Canada in 2010, which we were still, it was still not good financial times. And I remember thinking to myself, Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to trust you in this. I'm going to, I'm going to show you that I'm going to be faithful. And then I figured, and that's it. I'm done. I've showed my faith. Like, here we go. Right. And then now I'm like, I leave North and I'm right into a pandemic leading Apologetics Canada and thinking, yeah, Lord, everybody, we were done with this faith thing. Yeah, and everybody's got so much money that they're willing to share with <laughs> charities. <laughs> so, yeah. Isn't it funny, though? The Lord, though, has been really faithful to Apologetics Canada over the last number of years. Um, it has. Andy, I am really interested. And we're though, doing amazing, by the way. We're doing yeah, really well. Um, if you're interested in getting knowing more about Apologetics Canada, I'm, I'm just going to give you the website right up. It's apologeticscanada.ca. Yes? Com? Yep. Dot .ca or dot, dot .com, either or. Yeah. And uh, you can find out all the stuff that they've been doing recently uh, through the pandemic and some of the plans that they have going forward. Andy has published two books? One book. Two books now. Two books and two children's books. Yeah. So uh, you can find him. You just Google Andy Steiger. You will find... Some of that stuff, especially on Amazon, you're selling it everywhere, though, right? I mean, basically, the books are being sold everywhere. His most recent one is really good. It's uh, it's about everywhere where books are sold. It's about uh, zombies, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. It's about it's about. Well, why don't you tell them what it's about? Yeah, it's a, it's on the topic of dehumanization. But you know, from a academic standpoint, you would say, oh, it's theological anthropology which is basically, what does it mean to be human from a Christian perspective? Uh, what, what does that cash out as, you know, with regards to our value, how we live our lives, uh, and, and even just the nature of who we are, which yeah. I think, and you and I have talked a lot about this, and I think we still agree, like, this is a key question of oh, our time. Huge. Yeah, it's the question, actually, that gets into the uh, SOGI curriculum and, 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 you know, the questions about gender that we're facing and you know even i think even the pandemic actually assumes certain certain anthropologies right i mean it's just, it assumes the the yeah the 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 importance of the physical over i i didn't over the spiritual so anyway but andy's book is is really good it's fantastic highly recommend it you could sit down and read it um andy tell me i am i'm interested though you've been doing apologetics for quite a while uh and what are the big issues that you're facing now in apologetics in Canada? Apologetics, by the way, for those who are kind of new to the idea, the word the word means an argument for the faith, basically. So what what are the issues that you have to overcome when you're talking to people about Christianity in the Canadian landscape these days? And my question is, how has that changed over the last number of years? How would you have answered that question, you know, like five years ago or 10 years ago? And is it different? Yeah, it's interesting to, isn't it, to see how that questions change. And I'm sure you've got your own opinions on this, Jeff, given what you did, uh, your your doctoral research in with young adults. Because, like, I remember when you and I first met, you were just finishing your your research. And at that time, that was, you know, it was fairly new to, with Apologies Canada, I'd been doing it for about three years at that point. And the kind of, the questions that people were coming at, you know, the church with, you know, coming to church with sort of thing were, were very simple in some regards. Cause they were just like, Hey, I'm being asked this question. Does it have an answer? And if it does have an answer, what is that answer? And, and there was just a need at that point 
to really show that the church has a robust intellectual tradition of, of deep thinkers, uh, that, that, has, that that's still the case, and that there are great answers for the questions that are going on. However, as time has gone on, I, what I have seen, Jeff, is that this answering people's, the questions haven't changed. The questions haven't changed so much is how you answer the questions I've noticed has really changed. So what name some of the questions that you commonly get in the Canadian landscape when it comes to the faith, you know, the objections that people have to Christianity? Well, this is kind of interesting because when I wrote the book Thinking, which you mocked me mercilessly uh, on that. I mock, I mock you mercilessly about everything, though, Andy. <laughs> Let's just be fair. And this is this is like uh, this is, reminds me of old times here of the podcast we used to do with Northview, mm. and those who've listened to it know the mocking that I that I received. But anyway, in that book, I deal with five, you know, of the big questions that I was receiving on a regular basis. So, what's the meaning of life? Does God exist? Do all religions lead to God? Why is there evil? And is there life after death? Now, interestingly enough, when I first wrote that book, if you were to ask me what was the biggest question, I would have said, "Why is there evil?" And at the end of the day, I mean, that's always been a major question for human beings. However, I do find it interesting kind of as time has gone on that I would say now the question like each each like decade or or so kind of seems to highlight one of those questions over the others. And I would say right now we are really in a phase that's highlighting the question of meaning. Hmm. So what kind of question about meaning? Like, what, why am I here? What, what's going on? Uh, is there any purpose in life? That kind of that kind of meaning. Yeah, I, I think I think that the the question of meaning on that larger, you know, that large scale of what what am I doing here? Does my life have any purpose? Where am I going? What what's going to lead to the best kind of life sort of mentality? Because you would think that Canada is getting more secular, but that's not necessarily the case. The amount of new age thinking uh, is really staggering to see how that's really growing. And I was kind of shocked when I started my PhD at Aberdeen, which is in Scotland, because my first day on campus there, uh, I came, when I came to campus, there was this huge bazaar and it was a crystal like bazaar. They were selling crystals and, you know, so that you can like tap into your uh, chakra or whatever, like, the, you know, that kind of new agey thinking is, was is prevalent there, but it's prevalent here as well. So it's one of those moments where you're like, we think Canada's secular, but uh, it's not actually as secular as you'd think it is. No, it's Kabbalah. It's it's spiritually in that sense. I don't think there's a lot of people around these days who would just flat deny that there's a there's a spiritual or non physical side to us. Um, but yeah, they. I agree. The 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 new age or the cobbling together of some sort of kind of your own personal religious tradition is. Is kind of amazing how many people would would hold to some something like that, but it's always you know it's always something that works for me personally, and it assumes the 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 truth of all the different viewpoints basically. Like you do you, you just have the viewpoint that you have, and let's not judge or think about anybody. You know, it's the coexist bumper sticker type of thing. I, um, I think that's I think that's absolutely right. And so, what what works for you is kind of your truth, sort of thing. So, Andy, if I were uh, if I were a skeptic and I were saying to you, uh, "Man, I'm just looking for meaning, and I'm looking for that kind of stuff," can you give me an argument for the Christian faith? 
on why it's better or more valuable or, you know, how is it, how is it better than the cobbling together of a spiritual, my own little spiritual stuff? Oh, that, that's interesting. Kind of, because we have two things that are going on with a question like that. On the secular viewpoint, where you take God out of the equation entirely, you're left with this sort of meaning that is meaningless. Like there is no big picture to mm-hmm. the world. The world is only the small picture. Everything reduces to the parts that the world's made of and the physical laws those parts follow. But I kind of can't help but wonder, Jeff, if the reason why the New Age thinking is as popular as it is, is, is really a reaction to that. That there's this kind of longing going, nah, I don't, I don't buy that. I don't, I don't think that the world's that simplistic or reductionistic. And so I think an important uh, argument for us is we're, you know, helping to speak into that world that's looking for the big picture is to help people to see that we're not discrediting the parts that the world is made of, but what we're saying, and here's the argument, that there's a difference between the parts that a thing's made of and the purposeful whole that a thing is made for. And I think this is an important aspect of Christianity that's gone unaddressed. I mean, that the, the Christian worldview isn't discrediting the parts. They're just saying the world is more than the parts and that God has a cosmic purpose, if you will, that 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 God is doing. And so my question that that I'm asking as as a follower of Jesus and that I want to share with other people is what is that purpose and what what happens to our lives when when we step into that purpose, which, as you've heard me talk many times, I always point people to Jesus on this where Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. This idea of community, you were created for relationship, relationship with God, relationship with one another. Yeah. Um, Andy, is, do you think that there's a difference between the way the people in Canada think these days uh, and the U- U.S.? Like if you're doing apologetics in the United States, it, are there unique things that are different, not about the U.S., but, but about Canada? Because you're an American. You've, you grew up, you're from Portland. And so yeah. you've come to Canada, married a Canadian girl, and you've kind of done it on both sides of the border. And I'm just wondering if, if there's a difference in Canada. There's a, there is a, a huge difference between doing, I'd say, ministry in general, but apologetics for sure, and Canada versus the United States. And I can give you, an, like, there's, there's interesting cultural differences. Uh, a fun one for me, this was a fun learning experience, and Jeff, I'm sure you've had your own as you realize the, the differences and the nuances. When I, one of one of the first times in Canada when I preached on a memorial service, like in, in the United States, Remembrance Day is a big deal. Uh, the United States is, is a culture that is driven forward by looking in the past. And so going to school in the United States, you will be steeped in the history and tradition of the United States. Uh, and that, be, that forms part of your identity. Here in Canada, you don't have that as much. And in fact, what you have is a very interesting blend of a lot of different cultures such that I'm giving a sermon on Remembrance Day, which, by the way, was in a Mennonite church where that has its own because yeah, it's weird. The, yeah, there's different flavors of pacifism within uh, Mennonite culture, which is interesting. That church was quite on the pacifist scale. I didn't realize that till later. But one of the other interesting parts was is just very with, you know, 
naturally and without even thinking about it, I I was talking about the Germans and talking about, you know, what the, the Nazis did and that sort of thing. And I remember somebody came up to me after the service and said, um, said, hey, Andy, just so you're aware, I, I think that there were at least three gentlemen that fought in the for the Germans in World War II in the service. And I was like, I was like taken aback, right? Because it was one of those culture shock moments for me here in Canada that it is so much more of a cultural mix than you have in the United States. You'd never have that in the U.S. No. You probably At least wouldn't. I don't. I, well, and if they I said that. Never, but that would be so rare. Well, if they said that, you you know, n- nobody would ever say it out loud. They would hide all that information. Yes. Uh, yeah. A, a, an, an awful lot. Um, oh, so is it harder I, in the U.S. than here? Or do you, do you think that when I say harder, is it more difficult to persuade somebody of uh, faith in Christ here or there? Here, I'll say something that uh, I'm curious how you're going to respond to this. In some ways, I find doing apologetic work in the United States can be more challenging because in the United States, I find that faith and politics are so intermixed that to make a faith claim is uh, it can be very easy to make a political claim. Well, that seems to be what's going on now. Yeah. That people equate them. So if I'm saying I'm a, you know, Hey, you should consider Jesus in people's minds. They're thinking, Oh, Republican, I should be a Republican. Yeah. Which of course is not the case at all. And you're not, you're not saying that when you say it, but you have to disentangle, you have to disentangle that. Which I think is a real, is a real challenge, but you don't have to do that here. You don't have to do that here as much. And here's something I'm going to say, Jeff, and I want to know how you would respond to this. I can't help but think that this is part of the strength of Canada is that there are multiple um, political organizations or groups that have enough, you know, sway that they're an actual, you know, party. Whereas in the United States, you just you're polarized between two. And I think that creates challenges. Well, it does it creates an us and them attitude uh, when you have three or four? It's not us and them. You know, I mean, the Canadian political system basically means that parties have to get along or make, you know, to make a government and to make it function. And so, you know, if you talk to Christians around the place, it's not uncommon for somebody to say, hey, I'm a, I'm, I'm a member. I, you know, I'm a Green Party. I vote for the Green Party. And other people would say, no, I'm, I, be- I believe you know, the liberals and others, the no, the conservative. And so, and NDP, and you get, I mean, you get people all over. And then a mix of the all max. That. And some, some of them are in these, the small parties that they're, they're into, but there's no one, one group that, that people would say, oh, most Christians are in that one. Whereas in the States, that's exactly the case. And I actually think ministry in the U S now, because it's so entangled with politics and po- the politics, of the U S is so inflammatory. You're, I think you're absolutely right. That it creates a really, really difficult challenge because you have to explain to everybody. I'm not talking to you about, about politics here. I'm talking to you about, uh, about other deeper issues than that. But in Canada, <clears throat> I think most people would think, um, Andy, that, I mean, traditionally people in this, in Canada be like, well, we we're way harder, you know, it's of a harder ground or more difficult to reach people in Canada. But do you think that that's the case? Or do you think people in Canada are largely open to the gospel and just has some unique, there are just some unique challenges? I find that they're, yeah, it's interesting. I don't find that that's the case. I find that Canada is quite open to the gospel. 
Canada, of course, is, is very secular in its thinking or in its ideology, the way that that it works. However, doesn't necessarily mean everybody is, is secular in their, their thinking, but they're within at least a system that's quite secular. But here's something, though, that I would really push back on these days. There once was a time, Jeff, that people would say uh, – that, hey, if you want to know where the future's going, look to Canada or Europe sort of thing. Uh, and we were kind of really seen as this is the direction secularism's going. I can't help but say that that has changed. And I can't help but feel like the United States has really kind of taken the lead uh, in some regards with the direction things are going. And and uh, I wouldn't mind you hearing your thoughts on that. Plus, I have uh, I'll drop a little bomb on that in just a moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, I kind. <clears throat> I think secularism has got had an effect in Europe, you know, uh, down under Australia, New Zealand, and in Canada, and certainly a little bit in the U.S. The U.S. seems like a unique unique situation, though, from my point of view, in that because it's so historically cr- Christian or religious and doesn't want to drop that. I, and when I've, I've lived in the States a lot, I mean, grew up there, spent a lot of time, but you know, like there's still a spiritual emphasis, even in the, even in, you know, what many people think are secular cities, it's not really common for you to find somebody who's like a hard secularist who just thinks, you know, they read Richard Dawkins all the time and they're like, no science, science, science. Um, so in the States, I think that there's a I, I think it's gone a different direction. I think that U.S. kind of is, cap, <clears throat> you know, charting its own path a little bit. Um, I, and I agree. There was a there was a, a, a philosopher once who said that um, that the United that the challenge with the United States is it's basically an India ruled by a Sweden. And I think that's fun because Sweden is historically, you know, really secular and and you know, uh, largely godless in that sense. But India has got you know everybody's religious. So anyway, it's, uh, I, I think the U S is charting its own path. And I think a ministry there is particularly challenging because of that. And you have to disentangle different things there than you have to in Canada. Here's What's my, your bomb? Here's, here's drop my bomb, bomb then. I'm going to drop this. And then I want to see how you, what okay, you think about it. this. Hit it. Cause I, here's the thing. A lot of people think cause of what we just said here that, Oh, the United States, the problem there must be political. And I would say, I don't think it is. I can't help but place the majority of the blame of what is going on in the United States as one American to another at the feet of media. I think the United States has a propaganda problem. Wow. Look at you. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It, uh, uh, yeah, and there's a whole there's a whole discussion in there, right? Because the media is it's a it's a for profit organization, and so they're trying to figure it is out a what sells. Bait world. And, yeah, and conflict does. Conflict always sells more than. I mean, if I publish a, an article saying, "Look at these two people who different viewpoints and they get along," you know, some people will be like, "Oh, that's a lovely human interest story," but it doesn't drive the passions quite like. Look at these two people who hate each other, and it, do you see what I mean? So you can understand kind of the the highlighting of racial challenges in the U.S. just based upon that it, kind of. 
business that that kind of business plan for a for a media agency because they're like oh we should totally talk about the rate about race racial discrepancies and issues because uh the more we make of that the more people are going to get you know their passions inflamed and then they're going to want to click more and read more about our stuff and you can see you know the the political or the media groups like cnn or msnbc going in a very liberal direction further and further toward that tribe and and fox news going further and further toward the conservative and so everybody's kind of creating their own little <clears throat> little group and that's the challenge for christians is that I, I know a lot of christians kind of feel like they're sit they sit in the middle of it i know there are a lot of christians who are like no i'm a super conservative but but most of us are that i know are are kind of in the middle and we're like well i i, I want to i want to reach people for jesus whether or not they drive a pickup truck in alabama or they drive a, a mercedes benz in new york city I just want to, I want to reach them for Jesus. And it's very difficult to do it when you have this, such a dichotomy and, you know, us and them kind of attitude. And I think, I thank God that Canada is not <clears throat> in that kind of situation. I think it creates some open doors that perhaps, you know, we don't recognize as much. Uh, I, I completely agree. And I think that this is a, yeah. a, a real challenge too. I don't want to pretend like I think that this has some simple solutions because I, I was talking about it with my wife the other day. I was like, man, Nance, like, I don't see easy ways around what's going on. I mean, there once was a day you got a newspaper, you know, and they could they had the opportunity to give you the front page sort of thing. Now, these days, we kind of like got two front pages going on as they try to work the the sale as much as possible. Do you know what I mean? But but we're in this clickbait yeah. culture where they're trying to get our attention. And then you could say, oh, well, what we need to do is what? Like the, the government's supposed to fund the, the media and then that's going to lead to good things. It's like, well, of course, that's not going to be any good. But oh, Andy, the government <laughs> does everything well. Don't you know that? But what you need <laughs> at the a, end of the day is people, though, that are willing to look for truth. Right. But but it's so easy and tempting to just want to fall into your whatever echo chamber scratches, scratches your you're it. Right. And that and that's my I think that's my point is the media the media is pushing the, into those echo chambers more and more so that those who are kind of left in the middle and want to have that open dialogue, uh, and especially Christians, because they want the, they want the gospel is the, is the good news. So that's the news they want to trumpet. It's there's getting less and less a hearing among many for it. And I, you know, by the way, I would never suggest that, uh, you know, the, there are lots and lots of Christ, the Christians are all in the conservative side of things. And I actually think that, you know, there are many people who are conservative who've kind of married together American nationalism with Christianity. And I think that that's that's syncretism, right? That's godlessness as much as the secularists on the other side of things. And so everybody needs to hear the gospel. It's just getting harder and harder and harder to well, preach think, it when you sit in, sit in the middle and you're trying to talk to well, both sides. Well, think about this, too, Jeff, because like you you studied under J.P. Moreland. And one of the things, J.P., he's a great philosopher for those who don't know him. Uh out at, out at Talbot, but he talked a lot about culture war, right? Like there's a war of worldviews that are going on. And, and we always understood that very simply that, okay, we've got, you know, the Christians over here and we've got the seculars over here and, and our worldviews are at odds with one another. But the problem more and more, Jeff, as I see it, it's a real challenge for ministry is that that culture wars come into the church. That war of worldviews is dividing us from the inside. And, and I think that that's where that's a real turn in this battle <laughs> that I think is quite concerning. 
So Andy, when you look at the future of Christianity in, in <clears throat> let's say North America, but particularly in Canada, um, like put your futurist hat on. What, what do you think that the church is going to have to face in terms of its interaction with the culture at large in the days ahead? Uh, or maybe how that seeped into relationships between people in the church? Like what, if you look and you're standing up on the watchtower and you're looking off into the distance, what are the, what are the challenges you see coming? Uh, like when I pull out the apologetics crystal ball <laughs> and, uh, and take a look, which by the way, doesn't work very well. Because <laughs> no. I, uh, you know, we had the Apologetics Canada conference. And if you remember, Jeff, like just a couple days later, the whole world, you know, shut down. It, <laughs> no, you guys were the we, super spreader. You were the Canadian we did it. super we spreader. Did it. But, it, well, the amusing part is, is the theme that year uh, was, you know, the future. Where, where are things going? And I can tell you right now, COVID wasn't on the agenda. So uh, the crystal ball hasn't been very accurate. However, one of the things I talked about in that and it's something I still hold to, but I think it's changing in unique ways. And that is community, uh, relationship. And one of the one of the effects of sin, of evil, that that people really have lost sight of in some ways. And I think the church needs to help remind people that that sin is this relational separation. It is it is separating you from God. It's separating you from one another. I think C.S. Lewis got it right when he called it the Great Divorce. You've got the great divorce between you and God, and you got a lot of little divorces between you and people. And I, and I think that that's the human problem. We come into the world, we're born into the world uh, with a bent towards breaking relationship, and we're horrible at reconciling relationship. We, we don't, right? And this is, this is the gospel message, right? That what you can't do, God did in your place and restored you to relationship with himself and to one another. And so... You know, normally when we would preach something like that or think about that or when I would talk about the future, I would be thinking about, you know, secular culture and the ways in which people are divorcing themselves from one another in a multiplicity of ways. And and so you could talk about that in all sorts of ways. But, man, I, I can't. One of the things that saddens me is how that's creeping into the church and how I fear that a, a future in which the church is becoming divided. And I can't help but think. Jeff, I don't know what scripture comes to your mind, but Ephesians chapter two comes to my mind when Paul is saying Jesus broke down the walls of hostility. And what did he preach? Yeah. He preached peace to you who were far off. Yeah, to those who are near and those who yeah, are far off. Yeah, it gets off. me fired yeah. up, man. Yeah. And one of the central, one of the first effects that the gospel has is the unity and the peace that it develops between people who should normally be at odds right? Jew and Gentile. And unfortunately, the church does not at all look that way at all. In fact, the more and more you look at it, especially online and the way it's being presented, there are more and more people fighting with each other and arguing about, which, you know, doctrine matters, but f fighting and arguing and, uh, and disagreeing and not having this ability, you're right, to reconcile. We struggle with reconciliation and uh, the church should be showing a different way. I absolutely agree. You know, loneliness is a huge yes. deal, too. And I think you've mentioned that before, too, is that is how this the culture right now and the way that, you know, the way that things are running. I even think about the, the you know, staying home and all that, like lo like loneliness is an issue. Every, every business in the world started to change their attitudes, saying, oh, maybe we don't need an office. We'll just have Zoom for everybody. And I don't know, man. I just think people like you said before, they're made for they're made for each other and not just like 
faces on a screen. They're made for physical, like communion type yeah. of like together yeah, relationship, the good, the bad and the ugly. Like, cause that's one of the, that's one of the sad parts with it, isn't it? Like, listen, I had somebody back, you know, like last year sort of thing. Uh, where people could hang out in my hot tub. And as you know, like a lot of, a lot of ministry happens in the Steiger hot tub. But I mean, I had a guy over and uh, <laughs> was menis- the, the I was talking with and he, his wife had had a, uh, a miscarriage. And I mean, he was just weeping in my hot tub, talking through it. Right. And I remember thinking to myself, this is what it means to be human. Like this, this is, this is the kind of relationship we're called to. It's not always going to be, you know, a roller coaster, like like some sort of amusement park where it's all joy or whatever. I mean, we we need each other as we walk through the good and the bad with one another, and that when we do that, isn't just good for the guy in my hot tub, but it's also actually good for me. Like like that I need this. Um, man, there's there's so much I could say on that. <laughs> I'll just pause there. Yeah, Andy. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at our time, and it looks like we might be pretty close to out of it. I, I want to know uh, what your plans are uh, going forward for Apologetics Canada. What can we expect to see in the days ahead that we can follow and even hear more about some of the stuff that you've been talking about here and the human humanization type stuff? And what, yeah, anyway. Yeah, you know, with regards to the future of Apologetics Canada, I would just ask people to be in prayer with us as we we kind of just continue to follow the Lord's lead. When I was at Northview and I was completing my PhD, I really felt like I was just holding back the rein saying, God, like, I can't let this organization grow because I've got these, you know, X, Y, and Z that I got to take care of. But uh, having stepped fully back into Apologize Canada, God has just been growing this ministry because the need's so huge. And so that's kind of overwhelming for me sometimes because I'm like, A, I'm like, okay, Apologize Canada can't grow too fast. And B, I'm like, I want to help, but you can't help everywhere. So how do we help? And then, Jeff, here's the big prayer request. For those who've been following the whole Ravi scandal, one of the major organizations that we used to work with and that was doing great work here in Canada has imploded. They will be shutting their doors at the end of May. And So... So what he what Andy's referring to is Ravi Zacharias and what's called RZIM, right? Ravi Zacharias International Ministries has faced a massive implosion because uh, Ravi Zacharias, after his death, was shown to have committed some significant sexual misconduct in many areas, and it's really like like really cratered a lot of the ministry, because this guy who was so effective in apologetics is all of a sudden seen as being, in many cases, like a, you know, like a predator. And uh, so has that, that's, I'm assuming that's affected the the apologetics world. It has, and it goes back to what I said to you, where questions haven't changed, but how you address them has changed. That, that there's, that there's even more need these days for a counseling type of a, of, of response than this academic, you know, uh, uh, answer people people are looking for more of a relational understanding but also of uh, there is also this sniffing out like are you real uh, or are you two-faced mm-hmm. are, are you saying one thing but living something totally different sort of idea right so uh in the days ahead you guys are i'm assuming charting some courses i mean it's hard because you're not you used to do a conference which is like the the 
totally off the table for the next at least we plan while. on doing it again for those who are wondering in march so next march we will have the next conference we've been doing smaller online stuff for now but here's something that's on the table jeff that people will start to see and that is that there was some events or ministries that that rzm canada were doing that we think were were good and effective and we're going to be trying our best to to step into the need that is that's here in Canada. Uh, and what, so one of the ways that we're growing is we have, um, I can't, it's all kind of happening right now. So people just need to follow with us, but we're, we're starting up uh, an Eastern branch in Ontario and we're going to be poised to be able to serve Canada better. But this is also another one of those moments, Jeff, where people start to sniff out with like, oh, man, is Apologics Canada trying to empire build? You know, like what's going on here? Mm -hmm. And and I, I hope people. And the answer is, of course, <laughs> yeah, of course I, if are. it's the kingdom of God, we're trying to empire build. But I hope that people hear my heart like we want to step into the need, which is great here in Canada and. Sadly, right now, Jeff, there's very few people doing this ministry. There's there's a need for more. Yeah. Andy, thank you so much for spending some time with me. You, now, I always let uh, the person who comes on, uh, I actually ask them to ask me a question. You've asked a few, but you have a question at the end I, here. Well, I, I have a couple, so uh, we'll see how many I for, can get to you. Oh, what is this? You guys give it. I give an inch. <laughs> Okay, so first of all, okay, what? Go for it. We started go, 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 this, go, this go, conversation go. with you asking why I left you. So, Jeff, yeah. why are uh -oh. you leaving me, Andy? For those who uh, heard, by the way, probably bo both of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah Jeff ahead, uh, can tell. Uh, shared on social media that that he has resigned, uh, or, or is resigning. resigning yeah. From when when will be your last day? Uh, I think. Uh, mid, late late June this uh, yeah I will be moving in in July. Andy, the reason that I am uh, I am leaving is has nothing to do with Northview, and has everything to do with the place I'm going, uh, and how difficult the situation is that I'm going to. I am I am weirdly wired in that if if you put me in a situation where I I am asked to manage a thing that's going really well. I have this like inside of me, I start looking for ways to blow it up just so we can rebuild it again. Cause I think it's more fun to rebuild. I know it's horrible. So I have found myself uh, at Northfjord the last little while looking around and thinking, wow, God has done such a cool, cool thing here. But the next number of years would basically require me to be doing something that is really not up my alley. Uh, in terms of the management and stuff. And yes, there are things that we could press forward, but my role in the pressing forward would not be uh, quite what I, what I would want to do. And more importantly, there are these churches around, some significant churches around uh, the world that have had huge issues. And I just, I, Lord has always used me in kind of turnaround situations or used me in situations that where I just hopefully can go and bring some, some level of renewal I'm praying that the Lord would do that. So in the end, it's really uh, focused on on the mission and what I'm going to, not what I'm going from. We're going to miss Northview a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. But our reasons are the same, basically, Andy. You, you went forward because yeah. you were like, look, the mission of God requires me to invest more time in Apologetics Canada. And my 
my th- thought is, yeah, the mission of God requires me to take what I've learned at Northview and be able to apply it in another setting where maybe we can bring, bring about the same kind of thing by God's grace. One thing I've always appreciated about you is that when I first started at North, I don't remember, I don't know if you remember this, but we were in Thailand together on a missions trip. Where we ever? <laughs> Which that, that's a whole nother story. But one of the things you said to me really caught my attention. You said you, you basically shared that you knew you weren't going to be at North U forever and that you were, would be at North U as the Lord led and were ready to, to go where he would lead you next. And, and I, I remember being so encouraged by that where some people, you know, they get into ministry and it's about a job. It's about, uh, you know, paying the bills sort of thing or whatever. But I could tell immediately for you, it was, it, this is ministry and I will go as the Lord leads and for as long as he leads. Yeah. My intention <clears throat> certainly was to stay as long as I, as was, as I was needed here. I just think that the, the, the strength of the team and the staff and the elders and stuff like, honestly, the church is in a great, great, great spot. Let me ask so, my question. My other question real yeah. quick. One, one more. Okay, Imagine that I build a time machine and I say, and I put yep. you in this time machine and I send it back to when you first started at Northview and, and you could tell yourself any, you could tell yourself two, two things. Okay. So here's the first one. You could tell yourself the winning lottery ticket by the way, would you? Secondly, you could give yourself some ministry advice. Uh, I would give the ministry advice mostly because, uh, yeah, I just, yeah, money, money is whatever. But what would the ministry Um, advice be? My ministry advice to myself would be, uh, 34 year old Jeff, you denigrate, uh, what God is doing in your life and in your ministry when you don't believe in what he's doing in your life and in your ministry. That, in other words, that there is a kind of false humility, and it's not false, it, it, it is a humility. It's a, man, I'm a nobody and I shouldn't be in. Yes, that's absolutely true. Everybody's a nobody. But I do, I do think that, you know, I'm a nobody who the Lord has gifted in certain ways. And so many times I would not, I would not walk in the calling that I think I had received with the kind of boldness and, and joy that comes from that, knowing that, Hey man, I, I, I'm a nobody, but God has gifted me to speak into the lives of people and, and gifted me to, to help turn around churches. And I, I should just recognize that it's not my gift. It's God's gift. So I should just, just go for it. Right. Instead of just always kind of apologizing for, for it, go for it and see if it can happen in a, in a, in a gentler way. That's the other thing I would tell myself is that there's a, there's like you've said before, it's not just, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. So there's a lot of things I'd tell myself, Oh my gosh. Yeah. But yeah, I'm hoping that in the next step of my ministry life, I'm able to put some of that into the, into practice and I'll make other errors as well. So that when I'm 70, I'll look back, Lord willing, I'll look back and say, wow, I've been basically an idiot this whole time, but the Lord by his grace has made things grow which I'm sure is, is your view as well. Yes. Hey, Andy, thank you so much. You're a superstar. Always like talking to you. Uh, I would love to see you more often, but we can't because of the rules. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, God bless you. Um, you guys can pray for Andy again, apologeticscanada.ca or .com, and you can get all their information there. Andy, final word. Thank you for having me. Much love.
Okay. okay, buddy. Take care, and we'll talk the rest of you later. Thanks for listening to Conversations with Jeff. Make sure you subscribe to catch up on all upcoming episodes. So until next time, love God, do what you want, and don't be stupid. <laughs>